0: So I'm going to be talking about some things that are going to be happening here specifically, but I I, I felt the Lord has put some things in my heart that will be a challenge to each and every one of us today. So, um, you know, it's not just just specific to us today. Um, There are some things that that, that will be that, but uh, I'm very excited about what the Lord has been speaking to us and doing to us and stirring the hearts of our leaders as we have met and prayed and asking the Lord what He is doing. So will you pray with me as we, as we open up um, the Word this morning and, uh, and talk about what God is, is up to? Lord, thank You again for loving us. Thank You for the church. Jesus, You said, for as You were with Your disciples, You said, I will build My church. I will build My church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You, Lord, that tells me that You, you are going to build Your church, and when You build the church, it's a victorious church. Lord, thank You that, in that You call us to be a part of Your church, to spread the good news, the Kingdom of God, while we are here. And Lord, we ask that You speak once again today, that You would... Um, share your heart God, and Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate Jesus and the Word God to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't it amazing that, you know, when Jesus was on the earth in the Gospels, we read the Gospels, and He did some things that we would not normally think that from an observational standpoint, that we would say, well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but it made all kinds of God sense in the people that he chose. He chose his disciples to follow him, and if you just historically look at these guys' lives, none of us—if if, you know, we were with Jesus and we lived in that time—and we said, "Hey, you guys, this group right here. I want you to come together, and I want you to help me pick disciples." The guys that he picked, we probably would not have recommended those to Jesus, right? And so he was making a Statement in the types of people he picked. You know, Peter, who was very quick to open his mouth and promptly stick his foot in, it, right? He was, I mean, you have, you have all these guys, you have Thomas, who you know that doubting, you know, can you imagine that becomes your nickname through all of history? Doubting Thomas. I mean, I, I think that guy's a heavy one. Come on, really? That's the nickname I get. I followed you, Jesus. I just yes, I had some doubts and I have some questions, but like, come on, that's what everybody labels me now. I think when we all get there, he's going to go. By the way, it's just comments, okay? I ain't enough of that other stuff. I think James and John, you know, I think of those guys, two brothers, you know, and we call them the sons of thunder. That was their nickname, the sons of thunder. And you know, one time they thought that they were going to be real holy, and people were rejecting the message of the gospel, and they go to Jesus and they said. Jesus, should we call fire down from heaven on that town? You're thinking that this is, yeah, it's our team versus their team, and you're going to bake them. And Jesus goes, "You guys don't know what spirit you're up. And they're like, kind of sheepishly, going, kind "Whoa, of, oh, you know, I guess we overstepped the bounds." You know, they went from the sons of thunder to like maybe a little crackle all of a sudden. You know, one time they had their mother approach Jesus, the sons of thunder. Mom, would you go ask Jesus that in heaven can we sit on his right hand and his left hand in the kingdom? Mom, you would you go do that for us, you? You wonder if the other disciples of want sons of thunder. <laughs> you guys would get your mom to do that. That's good. We would not pick them. And yet Jesus... In His wisdom and establishing, He chose these broken people. The Bible is filled with these broken stories of people who have faith and followed God, and struggled and fell down, but got back up. Because what He was saying is, we qualify, right? And can you imagine to their, probably their their fear that when when he's leaving and he's ascending to heaven, remember he he rose from the dead and he celebrated Easter, and he's ascending and he says, Go, the Holy Spirit of promise is going to come and you'll be filled with power to be my witnesses. I'm leaving I'm leaving it with you guys. You know, they have had him there in the flesh. They're like, No, we like it a lot better if you here to tell us what to do all the time. And he said, Well, it'll be kind of like that for the Holy Spirit. It's good that I go away. And so he leaves the kingdom with them and ultimately to us and we carry on the vision and the mission that the disciples have as the church. That God still chooses broken people to carry on the kingdom and the work of the gospel. So it wasn't just their ministry. They had a time and season as the church began and these disciples and you know, all of them but a couple died as martyrs. They were killed to their faith following Christ. But they had a vision and a mission to carry on the kingdom to see lives transformed and touched of the power of the gospel of Jesus. And then their writings and ultimately Paul getting converted and all of these things point, um, and as we pass forward, we are here by divine sovereignty of God to carry on the vision and mission of spreading the gospel of Jesus to the world. We're still... There and so today I want to I want to share with you guys yes some things that are coming up this fall but as well as beyond some things and, 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 and I, but I'm hoping and praying that the message part will be an encouragement and a challenge to you in the context of your life and what God might be saying to you. So first of all, I want to look at some things that are coming up um, in, in the. In, what we're doing here in the context of our church. Um, obviously, Awana is starting this week. This is an awesome ministry to kids, not only our own kids here in the church, but it is an outreach ministry. Um, everything that we do has the original mission of reaching out to God in our life. We've and reaching out, reaching out, reaching out. When we stop reaching out, folks, we we'll stop doing what He has called us to do. We don't simply live for ourselves. We reach out. one is an awesome ministry. Uh, there's opportunities to be involved and be connected. If you want to be, if you're looking for something to do, um, This is a great ministry. You can go be a leader. You can go be a listener. You can listen to children. recite scripture to them. Be a mom or dad. Put in the faith to them. Be a a grandma or grandpa in the faith to them. It's a powerful moment that we can share in raising kids up to love Jesus. And I I, I want to just pause there, and I want to say I thank God for the Spencer and our other leaders in Owana that are doing such a fantastic job week in, week out, loving our kids, loving the kids in this community. They have done an, an amazing job, and I'm excited to see. What Awan is going to do. Men's group is going to be ongoing. Pastor Barry has done a phenomenal job in our uh, men's group. He's working, you know, with Left and Doug and those guys that are and you guys that are coming. You know that that is a great um, a great ministry, and I'm encouraging you, men, if you don't go, that you don't have anything to do on a Wednesday night, just show up and, and and connect with these guys. And we're calling our men to step up and be the men God has called them to be. And then there's kids' church that's going on right now, you know, where all the kids can go. There's kids' church and um, Pava Nursery, Kingdom talks not table Tots, but Kingdom talks. I don't know why I always say that, but I just always I have that on my mind. Um, but, you know, there's volunteers that make that happen every week if you're looking for somewhere to be involved and in, you can talk to those leaders. Um, and just that Barry and their team, Laura Peterson, who does such a great job in coordinating and, 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 and making these ministries happen It is awesome. so grateful for that. Also, youth group and worship um, are going to be led by Charlie and Tori, and in fact, um, some of you guys already know, because you're in worship ministry beginning in November, um, Charlie Landmark is going to be our new youth and worship coordinator. And so this is something that's been happening among our leaders. Um, I think that's going to still be the oversight, kind of the director, but he's going to start taking on some of the weekend, the week out things starting in November. Obviously, why November? Because he's a farmer. I understand that, right? Uh, we didn't want to start him in be in the field all the time, but we're just, I'm just thankful to the Lord for him. His faithfulness, his cause, he and Tori have done such a phenomenal job. Um, and we sort of going to be leading that ministry. I'm so excited about some new things that coming up last week. we have on We're going to have an ongoing relationship connection to Hope Pregnancy Center. We're calling this our life team, Robin obviously is is overseeing that, and uh, already off the ground. And we ask asking folks to be a part of this vital ministry as we as we love people and we and we serve people that are out um, in, at Hope Pregnancy Center. And so these are new things coming up. Um, there's going to be an orphan care ministry that's going to be started. Um, reaching out to foster families and, and orphans uh, internationally and domestically. My wife is going to be having that. Uh, um, two weeks ago we had a dream team meeting and uh, we put that announcement out there and there were so many phenomenal ideas that came out of that and already we're implementing some of that stuff, such as the to the Pregnancy center, um, the orphan care ministry. Um, the ideas that came out of it are ministering to foster families, single parents, Um, part of that meeting to really, really the heartbeat of that meeting came up is to reach out to others with Christ's love I'm so excited about being a part of that ministry we prayed and we were asking the Lord for divine ideas a lot of ideas I don't want to give too many of those uh, because some of those are just kind of uh, taking shape and so but we're very excited and obviously we have something that's only been on our heart for some time in discipleship. How do we as a church have a game plan for making disciples and, um, and following what Jesus said? Go and make disciples. How do we do that as a church? And this discipleship journey is, is going to be a tool that we use. Um, we're not trying to say it's the only tool out there, the best tool, but it is a tool that we are going to use. Um, we're encouraging you, if you call this church your home church, um, we're, we're encouraging you to become a part of a discipleship group that will meet regularly, um, who will go through just um, that manual. Basically, don't get scared when I say manual. You know, people are running through the hills, and you know, I don't want to do a manual, but um, it, it's topics of how to how to how to know God, how to hear God's voice, how to you know how to um, what, what is the cross, and repentance, things that are foundational truths the faith that we want to implement and get into people's hearts. So we're encouraging you to be a part of this topic in the fall um, next week. Again, that's going to take day Dave's going to be here, and uh, we're going to put the word out there for people to become a part of that. So that's kind of the like things that are coming um, on the radar. But uh, right now, I want to shift gears a little bit and, and just share some things that have been on my heart, what God has been speaking. Again, take this as a challenge whether you go to church here or not. I believe that you can take this as a challenging encouragement of what the Lord is speaking in the context of what He's asking you to do. What is He asking you? What is He speaking to you? How is God asking you to be a part of His kingdom on the earth? As we, as I just shared about the disciples, and we carry on that vision, the mission of carrying, being followers of Jesus, being disciples of Jesus. What is that? What is God asking? What is what part can I play in this kingdom? Because you have a part to play. Um time back, it was kind of the end of last year. I was praying here as I regularly do. I walk around here in the morning. I pray and um, and and. and you know how prayer time is. Sometimes it's very sweet. You can really sense the presence of the Lord. Sometimes it feels like that you're going, hey, are you up there somewhere? Um, yeah, and, and sometimes it's just... It, it, this is one of those moments where I really felt like the Lord was speaking some things specifically to my heart. And I had an odd moment. I knew it was the Lord because I don't, know, I don't you know, normally kind of have these thoughts, but as I, I was praying, I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart He said, What is it that you want? And you know, I, I, yeah. I didn't know it really, you know. It, was, and it was just kind of this resounding kind of thing in my heart. What, what is it that you want? What do you want? And so as I pondered that, I kind of gave that Miss America kind of first, uh, you know, world peace. I, I don't know why. you know, what God, you're asking me this question, and I'm not sure what to do. I'm, you're stirring in my heart, you know, and and and, and you know, give you this broad scope answer that I think you want to hear, God? that there be peace on the earth. Amen. And so I'm kind of process that a little bit, and then I, and then I thought i like, question say, what do you really want? And so I didn't actually answer that question. I, didn't, I, I, I just took time to think about, what is, what is, why did God ask that? You know, I didn't want to do cell stuff. I didn't want to do broad stuff. You know, know. Um, so I just kind of sat on settlement for a few days. And so I prayed, and I thought about it, and I meditated, and I went to the Word of God. And then I felt like that I had an answer to that question. Now, I know that this might seem broad to you, but I felt like it was something that the, that the Lord was really directing. And, and, and what I want is for me, my family, this church, each person in this church to accomplish everything that we were put on the earth to accomplish. And again, I know that sounds broad, but I really seriously mean that. You're not here by accident. You're not on the earth. You weren't created. You're not alive right now just by some possible chance. You know, and you hear people say this, well, we live in an unprecedented times. You know every generation can say that? It's all unprecedented times. We've never been this way before. I think about those 1st of mid-disciples and then come an unprecedented times. We've never seen anything like this. What's going on? What is God doing? What is God saying? And so we do live in unprecedented times, as everyone has, and and and, and, and so what we are, what we are are are, are groaning for, and what we're saying is, God, I want to be doing what you have called me to do while here on this earth. You have been sovereignly and intentionally placed here by God at this time in history. Every single one of you. You know, God's very specific. God's intentional. He's purposeful. When He looks at your life, every life on the earth, He knew you, and and David understood that He knew me even when I was being formed in my mother's womb. Jeremiah said He knew me before I was being formed in my mother's womb. God knew my days. My days were numbered in order of Him. That's... Specific, intentional, purposeful language from Scripture about life. And that's why no one's an accident. No one is a, a an afterthought. You didn't somehow flee through quality control when God was creating. You know, who let that go down the conveyor belt? You know, nice? you are here intentionally and purposefully. And you're here in this present time. You're not in the past. You've heard me say this before. You're you're not in the past, or God would have put you in the past. You're not in the future, or you would be there. Think about it. We are here at this time in history very intentionally, very purposely. You aren't somewhere else. You are geographically where God has you. You have walked through specific things in your life sometimes hard things, sometimes challenging things, sometimes painful things. But God, we we, we hear it, and it's not that God God does those things, but He allows them for His glory. That's why He can take broken, what Paul says, broken jars of clay, and He can make them vessels of honor. And He can take addicts and transform them and then they minister to addicts, right? And He, he makes people wounded healers and He takes people that have brokenness in relationships and He heals them and He restores them and they didn't like them and then they begin to heal and restore marriages by the grace of God and He takes the brokenness and He makes something beautiful. He so you have doctors of things. You've walked through the things that you walked through. Very specifically, very intentionally, God has... See you and so I believe God wants to, to connect us to His purposes, to build His kingdom here while we are here, to spread the gospel, to see lives transformed by the good news of Jesus. That's so why when you hear things that are happening, and, and you see lists, and you hear dream teams—you know Our, our goal is here is not let's do a thousand things just so that we can be busy, right? No, I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't care anything about that, but I want to do things intentionally, and it's God's point in placing things in our heart that we would do things for His glory because He called us, and He wants to connect people with the purposes that He has for them. So if you're struggling, what is my purpose? What is the will of God for my life? We want to help you connect your purpose in Christ. But He's calling us out, and He's calling us out of comfort. He's calling us, as Jesus said, to take up our cross. Why would Jesus say, if you want to be my follower, take up your cross and follow me? He said, that's not comfortable. The calling isn't comfort. The calling is a cross. The calling is to say, I want to lay down my life, my rights to myself. I want to follow you and do everything that you called me to do. He's calling us to follow him because, it, it, again, if he's If He's leading and we're following, He's going to take us into uncomfortable places. He's going to take us into darkness so that we can be light. He's going to take us into brokenness so that we can take His healing, power, and presence. He's going to remove our comforts and take us into hard places at times. Because if He's leading, that's where He went, right? You read the Gospels? Wasn't He around that? And He's saying, if you're following Me, this is where we're going. We're going to the highways, the byways, we're going to the broken, we're going to the hurting, we're going to the lost, we're going to love. And so, during that time, a couple of scriptures uh, that invaded my heart that I want to speak this morning. Um, before you go there, don't, don't go to the next slide just yet, but first of all, from the, the book of Esther, a lot of you guys know the story of Esther. Um... You know, during that time, you know Israel, Israel is the Old Testament story that Israel had disobeyed God over and over again. They kind of went their own way, you know, and that's that's why the prophets would call people back to God, and back to God, and back to God, and they would veer off and they would continue to do their own thing. And so you see this roller coaster of of, of Israel's history. They would follow God, and then and then. Um, then they would get very comfortable, and then they would leave God, and they would say, We don't need you anymore. We're, we're pretty good at being God. They we say, We're never good at being God, but then they would disobey. And, 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 and there was a time in kind history of where finally God said, You're going to be taken captive. You're going to be spread throughout. And uh, the, the, the enemies of Israel have been coming to scatter you throughout, and you're going to be taken captive. And, and we see in the book of Nehemiah where you know, there's, a, there's a group that are taken over here, and we see it in Ezra. And Ezra, we see these groups that are taken and put it in exile. Well, Esther is one of those stories where she happens to be among the Jews in exile, and uh, we have this whole setup where God's intention in the book of Esther is to save his people because there was a plot on the Jews. Remember that? There was a guy named Haman that hated the Jews, and so he plots to have them all annihilated and that's the book of Esther, where God uses Esther, the, the king gets mad at his queen, so he goes and chooses, another, he's going to choose another queen. It so, so happens that Esther, who is a Jew, um, he favors her the most, and he places her as his queen. And uh, and and we see the strategic hand, the purposes of God to save the souls and the lives of people. So that's the context, and most most of you are familiar with that story. And so she's queen now, and so then then um, Mordecai, her uncle, who is raising her, she was, a, she was an orphan daughter, we don't know what happened to her folks, probably killed in the exile, but her uncle Mordecai is raising her. He hears of the plot that Haman has strategized, and so he starts corresponding with Esther, and he's saying, you know what, there is a because you know, she, she tells him there is a uh, you know there, there's this there's this thing against the Jews. Haman has hatched the plot to kill the Jews, and uh, and, and so it's the corresponding back and forth. And he says, we need to do something about it. You're the queen, right? And she, what does she say? She says, wait a second. I'm the queen, but no one just approaches the king without him holding out the scepter and inviting them in. If you did that, you would be executed. And so she Mordecai, He's saying, you know, you need to do something. She's saying, I'm afraid. I can't just run into his chambers and talk to him. And so that's where we pick up this passage. You know the famous passage? You guys have heard it. It says that you, maybe you were created for what? Such a time as this, right? Are you familiar with that? I'm just to look at the whole context of the passage, Okay. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Okay, so they've been corresponding back and forth. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, you need to remember that phrase, if you keep quiet at a time like this, the living and relief to the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made clean for a a time as this. We love the a time. just are created for such a time as this. That's very true. But do you understand, Do you see what he says beforehand, There is actually a lot of faith in Mordecai. He hears of this plot. He knows God can save the people. But he's saying, Esther, if you keep quiet, they're going to get you too. You're a Jew. If you keep quiet, though, he said, God will raise up a rescuer. God will raise up deliverance from somewhere else. And man, that took me to the core, that passage. Because we have the same calling as Esther. The Old Testament stories, they are historical, but they foreshadow the good news of Jesus. Think about this. As Cain, and there was a plot against the Jews. There is a plot against us. And we're in a spiritual battle, and there is a plot against our lives. Jesus said this about the devil. He said, The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy you. Right? Is that really the of plot? Yeah, it pretty much is. But I come that you might have life, and just as Haman plotted against the Jews, the enemy plots against us. And he says, "There's an intentionality out of all these ladies that could have been picked because Esther at this time in the palace for such a time as this." And we understand the plot gets foiled. There's victory, and there's salvation for the Jews of the day. And just like that time, we have the same calling. We can. Uh, we can. Take on this same mantle that Ephron says you were created. You were placed here and purposefully by God for such a time as this, at this time in history, at the place God has it. You, if you are in the past. You are in the future. You are strategically and placed at this time in history, where you are at for such a time as this. Why to spread the good news to those who are being plotted against this, by the enemy to save souls to see the gospel of the kingdom released and 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 about in our. Land. I'm excited about it. I'll, you guys are too. Mordecai has faith, though. He says, if you keep quiet, deliverance will come somewhere else. And I said, that, 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 that passage shook me because I don't want someone else doing the job that God called me to do. In other words, Mordecai has faith. He says, I know who God is. And, and deliverance will come from saying, if you keep quiet, God will use someone else. But you are there. You place purposefully there for such a time as this. Don't miss out on God's purpose for your life. And I said, God forbid that we just live our lives for ourselves and the things that God's calling you to do, to, to be a part of the team, to be a, a part of advancing the gospel, to see lives transformed and touched by the power of Jesus. I don't want someone else doing what I was called to do. Because you said, "God will use somebody. Deliverance will come from something somewhere else. But perhaps you appear for such a time as this. God forbid that someone else is doing what we were called to do, either individually or as a church." Amen. I don't want. I don't want deliverance coming from some other source of what I was supposed to do. To playing my part. That's why Jesus. His urgency while he was here. Remember when he used, I mean, here we are, farming community. Jesus used that now. He said, You see the fields? They're white for the harvest. Unless workers go out there, you know, wouldn't it be silly if farmers planted and it rained and you have this crop that's out there and they're going, Well, we're good and it's growing, and now it's starting to die. And Jesus used it as He said, we need workers in the field. We need people about the Father's business. And why Jesus said, work while it's still day, because night is coming. What is night? Well, it's when we either die or something else happens but we miss out on the opportunity that God has for us. And there was an urgency in Jesus' voice when He was giving uh, His disciples and He was training and discipling for what? Not just to be good theological people and, and, and you know, have head knowledge of good theology, Yes, it's important to have good theology and doctor but if it's not changing my life, so in turn that I reach out to people to see their lives change, it does me no good. Work to day, the urgency, and I want to stand before God, knowing that I did everything He wanted me to do. And I want that for you. I want that for my family. We don't retire from the kingdom. We don't vacation from the kingdom. We weren't created to live for ourselves. There's and purpose to why you are here. And you are here for such a time as this. And God still wants to save and transform people. People need the Gospel. People need Jesus. Right? They need to be rescued. Another section of Scripture that God really spoke to my heart as I was reading was when I was going through the one year Bible, Joshua 19 and 20. That's, it's not going to be up there, but uh, have you ever read those hard-to-read passages and you're like, why is it in the Bible? is there? Levitical law, you know, like if I have an open store and it has a red-green hair coming out of it and there's a patch thing singing in my skin, you know, and it's like, why is that in there? His intentionality and purpose for all that. I'm not going to get into Levitical Law today, thank God. That would be like a, the, the series, that, like, the, 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 the new series, Levitical Law. we your friends. Um. But I'll read these yeah. things. I read these things sometimes when you come across these and I'm like, God, oh, I know it's there for a reason and purpose. And I, 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 I'm not saying that I always know all the reason and purpose of why certain things are in Scripture. But you know, like when you read lineages, you know, all like these names. Or you read the book of Nehemiah. I love the book of Nehemiah. It's one of my favorite passages. It's such a, it's such a picture, an old person picture of the church. But you get into those books of Nehemiah and they just list all these names of people that we would not recognize. But I felt like one time that God spoke to me and he said, God, everyone has a role. They were there to set the time as sometimes do you Sometimes we think about David and Daniel and Jonah and, and, you know, these big kind of heavy hitters. They were broken the people that needed God too. But those people, those names, God to they were there. All of them had a role to collect. And they were important, just like in Nehemiah building the wall. Every single person, those names you would never recognize, God had a role for them. Intentionality—they were there for a purpose and a reason. And so I was reading Joshua 19:20, and I catch myself with the children of Israel again—you know—they come, they, they wandered, remember? They wandered in the wilderness because of disobedience. Finally, Joshua the new, to take them into the promised land, right? They have an in the promised land. They have to fight some battles. There's some uh, you know real warfare going on. And then you get to Joshua 19, and Joshua 19 it says the allocation of land, okay? The allocation of land, and so then it's just this list of all the tribes, and the tribe of Dan got this portion of land, and it was uh, you know from north of this and south of that, and you know did it, and then Naphtali, the tribe of Naphtali got this, and the tribe of Judah got this, and the tribe of this, and it's just allocation of land. Well, it can be tedious to read through that. Well, I was in it, and, and and I felt like the Lord said, you know, because I was asking God, why is it in there? God, I know it's in there for a reason. What what are you saying? And I felt like as God gave Israel and He allocated land for them. And he said, He gives us; He allocates beautiful land for us. That's why we're here, geographically. Sometimes it's wherever God has placed you and put you. It's not by accident; it's by His intention and purpose. And just as He would allocate land, and He would allo- allocate places for us to be. And again, that may not just be physical land. That is your sphere of influence. That is your workplace. That is the neighbors around you. That is, God is pushing on purpose. He doesn't place us there, He doesn't do it just for us. It just doesn't turn in on ourselves. It's not just for us, it is for Him to work in and through us. So, as it was in an Esther, God has called us to this home, this place, this region this land to fulfill His purposes. We were created by Him for Him to fulfill His to Build the kingdom on the earth. And just like you weren't in a different time, you're also not in a different place. And just like He says, I've given enough to this land, He says, I've given you Montevideo and Dawson and Boyd and Grand Falls and Madison and Clarkville and Clare City and Kirkoven and surrounding areas, and if I miss you, I'm sorry, and Two Falls and others the farm you work, the job that you have, the place that I have placed you here, I've allocated for you at such a time as this. Make the most of the opportunity. And then right after Joshua 19 is Joshua 20 where he gets into these places called Cities of Refuge. Anybody familiar with that? Or do you like, your eyes kind of glaze over and you read through that? And this time I was very intentional. i like, Lord, it seems like this keeps opportunity. something to me. Cities of refuge, what were those? Joshua 26, Gal hits land and go go to these cities will be cities of refuge. Cities of refuge. If these these places existed, if someone accidentally or unintentionally killed someone, they would run to these designated places for safety until there was a thorough investigation to be done. So what happened was it, was it was so the family, the friends, or the townspeople wouldn't take matters into their own hands and take revenge on that person. It was that they had blood on their hands, but they would go to this place of safety and be found innocent in the city of refuge. Do you see what God is doing and where God's going with this? Why is it here? And then it hit me. Once again, it's a historical story that foreshadows the greater truth of who God is. And what his purpose is? Two scriptures that came to me when I was wondering about cities of refuge is this Psalm 46: God is our refuge and strength; He is an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of sea, though its waters run foam and the mountains quake with their surging. And then it hit me: Jesus is our refuge. Jesus is our refuge. A refuge is defined as, as a place of safety. It's a place of shelter. It's a place of hope. It's a place of trust. It's a place, it's a place of salvation. The city of refuge was is, is pointing us not just to a place, but it was pointing us to who God and Jesus are. He is our refuge, as the psalmist says. He is our place of trust. He is our hope. He is our shelter. He is our salvation. Because here's the thing, we all have blood on our hands, right? Paul tells us in Romans 6, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have blood on our hands we're guilty. But we are not left alone. We have a place. The place is a person. We run and we have our guilt exonerated in Jesus because he is our refuge. Isaiah says, We like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him, Jesus the iniquity of us all. He took on all of our sins. He became our refuge and our place of salvation. And the other scripture that goes along with this, and Jim mentioned it this morning from Proverbs, it says, The name of the Lord is strong tower; The righteous run into it and are sick. It parallels the Psalm. His name is a strong power. His name is he is a refuge of safety. The righteous one in our safety. We are righteous in our own merit. We are not righteous on our own, but we are righteous because of the blood of Jesus and what we've done. We run to Him. We surrender Him, and He becomes our refuge. He becomes our salvation. So why am I saying all this? What did I feel like the Lord is kind of putting together in all this when He asked me, what is it that you want? And I'm asking, God, let me, let our people, let this church be who you call us to be while we are here. Because I believe that the Lord wants the church to be a place of refuge. A place that people will come and find refuge. They will find Jesus. They will find a person. They won't find just a place they will find a person. They will find that Jesus is the refuge, that He is the hope that they've been looking for. He is the shelter and the covering that they've been looking for. He is the salvation. He is the peace that they've been looking for. I'm asking the Lord God, make this place, make this church a refuge that people can find cleansing from their guilt of sin. And it is the church's mission to be a place of refuge that points people to Him, the refuge. That's what Jesus said, it's the sick who need not doctor. Remember why he was on the earth and the, 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 the religious people of the day, the church people of the day began to rebuke him and then they would say, your, your teacher hangs out with the scum of the earth, these corners you see what he's doing? Do you see the people hanging out? And Jesus said, he knew their thoughts and he said, this is why I come, because it's the sick who need doctor, not those who think that they aren't sick. That's why the church is the place of the broken, because we all need him. He said, that's why He said, that's why I come. And that's why he said, I came to seek and save the lost when we reached out to Zacchaeus, That's why the church must be a hospital for the sick, not a country club to make its members more comfortable. We are a triage unit. We are not a yet. We are in a spiritual war and lives are at stake. And we are called to build the kingdom of God to spread the Gospel of Jesus. Our goal isn't to work toward comfort, but to spread His gospel and to follow Him as He leads us into hard places. Because eternity is coming. Eternity is there for all of us. We're here. We, will, we have a specific thing that God has for us an intentionality and purpose. You know what? As the Lord carries, we will come and go, folks. We will face death and we will leave this place. And we will stand before God. So things that we have been praying about as we move forward that we're inviting you to pray about. We truly want to make our church a place of refuge. One of the things that we are praying about is moving locations. Some years ago, um, you know, this church where it sits, that fellowship hall was the original sanctuary, and then they had these three phases. That were phase one was come out this way where you see the poles. That was a wall there, and that was phase one. And phase two went out wider, and then was a phase three that never happened to blow out the wall, of the the. Uh, the fellowship hall, which was the old faith theory, to expand to do more. You now with they couldn't do that. One of the other things that was talked about many years ago, so we actually were these we were kind of we're digging up these old wells and saying, "God, what are you saying?" There was one time kind of talk of moving out onto Highway 7, moving this church out onto Highway 7. And why would they do that? Why would you move locations to be more effective and and they wanted to to be more effective? And so that is one of the things that we are praying about is that, God, what would you have us do? And and I'm not saying this is happening next week. I'm I'm telling you, be prayerful. Praying with us that that, that God would make our church a refuge, that we would do things for the glory, not to just build buildings or whatever, but just that we want to become a refuge. We want to be a ministry, a place of refuge. We want to be as effective as we can be. And so we talked about a place to potentially have like a food shelf in it, a second hand item for those who have need, possibly a daycare. These are the things that we've been talking about to minister to those in our community, a place to build bridges to our community. It would be a multi-functioning facility because the church isn't a building, folks. It is the people. It is us. The building is a tool. If we worship the building, we have an idol problem. The building is a tool. This place will come and go. And so we're saying, God, what would you have us do? What does it look like? I'm not sure right now. I've driven by that runnings building a thousand times. And I've been like, Lord, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just sitting there. And I'm like, what a great place for a refuge outreach ministry center. God could do however we wants What we're doing, what we're asking you to do, is pray with us, join us, be careful of the church and say, God, what would you have us do? The other thing that we as leaders are praying about and inviting you to pray with us is changing the name of the church. Why would we do that? Other uh, churches have done that. It's not just for the sake of just changing the name of the church. But because uh, here, here's why, here's, here's the reason behind it: is power in name. It was very biblical. The people of Israel, when, whenever you see an E-L on the end of someone's name, or A-H, it actually had, it, it incorporated the name of God. Daniel. You no, know, Nehemiah, A-H. It, in, it included the name of God. There's power in the name. When they would name things, and they would name places, and they would say, this place is Bethel. Right? Remember that one. And said so we're going to now call it Bethel, house of God. Names for powerful parts of the name of God. That's why when Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were kidnapped, remember they were part of that, when, when, uh, when, when the exiles went out, and you may not recognize Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, we know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because when Nebuchadnezzar kidnapped all these children, he changed their names because he was trying to remove the name of the god from them. And he was placing on them the names of the gods of their people. There's power in names. Remember when Benjamin, Joseph's little brother, was born? And Rachel was, uh, she was mourning, she was dying. And so he's born, and she, she ends up dying from childbirth, and she says, name him ben on which means son of my sorrow, because it was a sorrowful moment for her. And Jacob knew that there's power in names. He was named Jacob, deceiver, which the Lord would end up changing his name to Israel. And he's understanding that there's power in names. I was named this and became it. He will not be called ben on son of my sorrow. You will name him Benjamin, son of my right hand power in names. And so the name of the church is no different. Community Bible, it's more of a generalized term. It's like naming your son male boy. Not that it's wrong, it's just we will always be a community church, we will always be a Bible church, but our, our desire is to be a place that God's name is on as a sign of who He is and what He came to do. So one of the things we're praying about is the name Refuge Church. Because the refuge is more than a place that is a person, it is Jesus. And with that said, I want you to pray with us. Pray with us. Pray for us that we will hear the voice of the Lord. These things have been stirring and saying, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? I want your feedback. I want your feedback. I want your loving feedback. Process. It's okay to take a process and to think through those things, but that's what I'm asking you to do is pray. His time is short, folks. We have a limited amount of time. The Bible says make the most of every opportunity. We're placed here such time as this. we allocated this land to make Jesus our refuge, make him known until we stand before him on that day and he says, You just everything. Jesus, you are our refuge. You are a place of hope, a place of trust, a place of salvation. God, you are so amazingly good. You love us so deeply. What I thank you for this day thank you for these people, Lord God, that you have called us, you have set us apart, you have an intentional purpose for why we are here. And what i think simply pray today, God, that we would do everything that you called us to do, that we would be connected to our purpose in making you known. God, thank you that you so graciously saved us, Lord, help us to be on rescue mission with you. To love, to serve, to make the most of every opportunity that we've been given. Lord, thank you that you've allocated this time in history for us. I don't want to waste it. Lord, I want the testimony of not just me, but everyone in this room. Their testimony would be, I gave my life to Jesus. I in my life to Jesus, and I did everything that you called me to do. So, Lord, we ask that you would make yourself known in and through us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great, great day and a great week.